Happy holidays, IP friends. Welcome back to IP series with Rita. Now, if this is your first time listening to me talk about everything intellectual property from copyright, trademark, patent, industrial design, trade secret, plant variety, and geographical indication, please subscribe or favorite my podcast, like and share with your friends. And if you're yet to check out the previous episode on how to register a trademark in Nigeria, please head your this is into it and also share if you're a business person or you're creative you you own an sme you're a startup please share with your loved ones now for my returning listeners you guys already know the drill thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for coming back as always really excited and i'm grateful to everyone that also participated in the just concluded ip series christmas games it was i mean i didn't expect that engagement but you guys blew my mind so Congrats again, once again, to <laughs> congrats again to the winners, Choma, Amarachi, and James. Now let's get into our conversation for today. Now, per tradition, I always do at the end of every year, I list out my top IP cases and trends and development that have taken place globally not just in Nigeria. So I started this in 2019 and this is the fourth edition. And for this year, I decided to try something different as well. I decided to do a giveaway. Although I've done giveaways, well, not giveaways, but yeah, I think I've done one uh, before. It didn't really go well, but this one really blew my mind. So let's get into my top cases or highlight for the year. The first one is the Odogubitas case, which I came across on Lawyer Way Savvy. My lawyer always Sabi Instagram page. When I saw it, I was like, oh, and then I did a Google search and I did see it. And I was like, oh my God, how did she get this information? So it was really mind blowing because I know when Odogu Vitas came out, there were a lot of publicity, PR, you know, um, endorsement deals, ambassador deals going on. And I think this is the second time I'm going to talk about Viku Bana on my, on my um, podcast. I think the previous one was, oh, this is the third time actually. Why is that? I don't know. But yeah, the first one was about um I think what well, there was something that they used. Obi yeah, Obiku Bana restaurant. I, I think I talked a little bit about that last year. Then the second one second one. Yeah, the Odu, the same Odogu issue where Bonaba was like, ah, Obiku Bana is supposed to pay me something you know, for this Odogu. And I, I think it was my friend Reginald um Walker that you know, drew my attention to it. And we had a brief discussion and I decided to do a short video about that. So you guys can check that one out. But this particular story, I mean, it just, a lot of things were going through my mind when I came across this case. And so the story goes like this, that Obi Kubana has lost the intellectual property right to use Odogu Vitas as his trademark because someone already registered um, Odogu Vitas. And I was like, so fast like i mean i know we do apply the first to file principle but how was that first is so quick like how long is it taking like two years three years to get that done i mean did you see the future so you know as usual when i saw that i said to you know just scribble down a couple of things as to what um business owners especially smes and startups need to know 
uh, when it comes to locking down a particular trademark in the relevant class. Um, it also turns out that his NAVDAC number or registration has been revoked. And we know that when you're doing your NAVDAC registration, you also need your trademark um, registration um, certificate as well. Sometimes you're required to show your acceptance or acknowledgement um, letter just for you to commence your applications. But yeah, let's focus on the main thing. Um, I already established the fact that in Nigeria, we apply the first to file principle, meaning that if I go and sign, um, file the application for Odogu Vitas in the relevant class, I get to be acknowledged as the trademark owner in Nigeria. And what happens again, that in the course of doing your trademark registration, even when you get your acknowledgement and your acceptance, when you get to the opposition stage, if I am the first person that registers it, I can oppose or I will or mandatory that I should oppose your registration, basically. basically. So I just want to start from, um, you know, why it's important that you do a search, um, what business owners need to know going forward, um, how can they avoid all of these. So first up on my list was, you know, First, um, talk to a licensed trademark agent or at best hire a law firm or if you know any intellectual property lawyer or trademark attorney, one that focuses more on trademark, you can reach out to them to assist you with your registration. That's the basic thing. Now, the next thing is um, that you can do yourself ahead is to do a Google search, which is very easy to do. You do a Google search to confirm whether the name is available in Nigeria. If someone is using it for something, that gives you an idea as to you know the next step to stay, um, take. Then when you discuss with your trademark agent, two things might happen. You might want to commence your registration um, by doing a search, um, or they might get the the try to get um, what is called a preliminary advice from the trademark registrar, registrar rather. Um, so let me explain that further. So if you decide you're going to do a letter to the trademark registrar asking for their advice, basically, um, you're going to be asking them whether the, the mark, be it a name, word, logo, slogan, symbol, or sign, um, that's for conventional trademark applications. Now for non-conventional applications, you'll be talking about smell, um, yeah, smell, <laughs> motion um, holograms etc now you're basically asking the registr registrar to tell you whether your mark is distinctive enough or is unique enough because one of the basic requirements for a trademark is that it must be distinctive and used in relation to um the the class that you want as it relates to your goods or services if it's what you're going to do um one thing that most people do not know is that when you do that when you do that and you go ahead to apply and um, let's say your application was rejected because it wasn't distinctive enough you are entitled to a refund of any fee that you had paid in respect of that application um as long as your application was submitted within a period of three months after you have received that um, um confirmation from the registrar as to whether your mark is distinctive or not um, you can also um, file a notice of withdrawal um, before the 
before you are entitled to a refund of the fees that you had paid so if you hire a law firm versed in trademark or an ip lawyer that's versed in trademark you see that i'm focusing more on the lawyers and the law firm not because i'm a lawyer but because it's the right thing to do you have good agents and you had bad, bad agents out there but a lawyer will not trick you and neither would a law firm trick you because one um you have we have fiduciary duties to our clients but i'm just going to stick to that so if you really want to learn more as to getting plenary advice from a trademark registrar um read section 17 of the trademark act as a nigerian trademark act um but yeah let's talk about doing a trademark search then now um take note that um, preliminary advice is not mandatory um but you know just to save you from other things it's advisable that you either opt for that or opt for a traditional um trademark search registry which um, helps you determine whether your trademark is capable of being used for commercial purpose you know that ip generally encourages that whatever intellectual property that you create to be used for commercial purpose um it helps you also determine whether um whether it is distinctive enough whether it is good for your company brand and name um it also helps you determine whether you can use the mark that you've selected in the right class and also it's like when you're doing your corporate affairs uh, your your company registration you know whether the mark in question is available so you might be advised that it's not mandatory, but it's very mandatory because you definitely, at the end of the day, get um, a response from the trademark register. And the trademark registry also makes provision for that. If they do not want parties to actually apply for search, I'm not sure that they've included that um, for the, the, the whole process, whether the online um, portal or doing it uh, manually. Now, where in an instance where you have, say, um, a device, a word mark or a design mark, which is considered to be a device mark, you be you will be expected to do two separate trademark search. Um, time timeline for for doing a search. you have to do your search before you commence the official trademark application um do you do a full search or a preliminary search mm, i think it all depends on what you really want there's no yes or no answer um it also helps you avoid and trainings are already registered or used for commercial purpose so i guess i'll just stop here for now but know that conducting a trademark search in nigeria um would save you a lot i, I believe that if obi kubana's lawyer had or the agent had done the needful they would have avoided what had just happened to them because the trademark registry allows um applicants to pay for searches um but this search is always done manually and physically at abuja sometimes when you you're doing your search you get things or comments like identical trademark uh, which helps you identify whether they are visually or phonetically identical 
um similar trademark whether your trademark is similar or confusingly similar or identical to another existing mark then uh i think that's i'm just gonna stop here so i don't give out so much um but yeah let's just move on as to lessons that businesses can learn from this obi kubana's case now next up is that uh we need to get your ip documentation right by registering your intellectual property so that you enjoy the full backing of the law um remember that ip is territorial in nature so it's only the countries that you register your mark that you are protected if you don't register you can't claim um that you know you own it it's going to cost you a lot to be a bit complicated but it's better that you do it right you also need to know the difference or the benefits of doing uh, a, a corporate registration as doing a registration at the Com corporate affairs commission and doing a trademark registration now for corporate affairs commission it depends on what you want and is important for new business so as a new business you want to let people know that okay you have an existing structure or entity you opt for that however when you do a trademark registration um it shows people that you do have long-term goals for your for your brand and your company you also take your intangible assets seriously and it helps you position yourself and gives you visibility as well but the downside is that you cannot open a corporate account whereas for business name or private limited company or public limited companies you can open um, a business name it also helps you build um confidence with your customer that is for corporate accounts or corporate <laughs> oh god that's your your uh, corporate name now helps build confidence in your customers whereas for trademark it shows that you are working in line with your your brand's vision of being a page setter within that industry that you are working it working in also take advantage of the fact that um trademark gives you exclusive rights to commercialize your trademark um for commercial purpose you can also monetize it where you get to license it or assign it to a third party to manage for you etc etc then um this is very important acknowledgement or acceptance letter does not stand as a trademark certificate i've had that issue um with clients when they come for consultation or you know insisting that they have so I, I had an instance where someone was like he had a trademark certificate and i think he had misplaced the one he had and I asked for proof and he showed me an acknowledgement or an acceptance that i can't remember and i was like that's not a trademark certificate um don't make that mistake don't think that once you get your acknowledgement you've gotten a trademark certificate you've not you've not even done you've just crossed let's say stage one of the the, the hurdle of doing a registration you have you also have the opposition where someone can oppose a registration and you can you know you will not be granted the trademark to that particular name or mark then the process of registering a trademark is not the same as trademarking it so it's like i'm applying to get a trademark that is the process of you registering your trademark trademarking it means you've gotten your certificate that's it then trademark grants you the exclusive right to use your mark within the registered territory to enforce your rights to prevent third parties from using your trademark without your consent permission and authorization anything that falls 
outside of this is considered to be an infringement of your intellectual property rights. Trademark acts as a source identifier. It also gives you exclusive rights and legal backing um, to use it for commercial purpose. Um, in order to do that, your mark must be distinctive, which is, I have stated before that um, it's very important for brand owners to, you know, consult and have discussions with their lawyer who would either choose to get a preliminary advice from their from the trademark registrar or just up to to do a search then i carried out a poll on twitter though i didn't get much participation but 50 percent said um they did not think that odogu beaters were distinctive enough or odogu itself was distinctive enough and deserved to be protected as intellectual property um the three percent said cultural appropriation <laughs> why seriously guys when you answer this question just do me a favor when you pick your answer just type this is why i chose this answer so that i get to understand you guys and i i put that there for on purpose because if i think if this was the other way around we would have been screaming cultural appropriation someone's trying to monetize a phrase from a uh, uh, mother tongue etc etc but this is done by nigeria and everyone is like keep acting like they're not seeing what's going on um let's see 17 percent said yes Odogu beaters i mean i don't know for I, I can't really say if it's distinctive enough but so far as you can show that you're going to use that mark for commercial purposes i think it should meet the basic requirement of being distinctive. I mean, it's not a conful word or a fanciful word, but it's also not um what's the word I'm trying to get now? It's not a descriptive mark where if, when you hear Odogu, you you know that oh this is what they are referring to. Then I asked so some like I talked about the Bonner boy saying Obikovana had to pay him something. Fifty five percent fifty six percent said they did not remember and they were not aware. But the four said yes. And I'm wondering, you guys should please do your Google search and look up that comment when Bonaboy made that statement. And also check out my post about it. Um, then I asked, who do you think was fast enough to trademark Odogu Beaters? Then my person said, maybe Bonaboy. Ah, I think right now, I think the original owner has to come out and say, I own Odogu Beaters. Um... 25% said, I wonder who. And I'm with 25%. I wonder who was fast enough to do that. Um, so, yeah, just check out the previous episode where I talked about... Oh, no, where I did. I had Derek um, on my podcast for the Christmas edition. Come talk to us about how to register a trainer. So, check that particular episode. Now, let's move on to highlight number two. So, highlight number two would be the... Nexus against Balo and B case where Nexus has sued them for copyright infringements um over their uh, unofficial Bridgeton unofficial Bridgeton um musical. They also were sued for trademark infringement. Um and it turns out that these ladies had won um a Grammy award for the unofficial Bridgeting musical and you know it started like like play 
so they did like a cover on tiktok and next week they're like oh wonderful and then they're like okay let's get into the studio and they i think i had to listen to the whole track to understand where netflix was coming from and also had to um go through the um the documents that they had filed in court against the the duo for you know infringement of their intellectual property i also did an extensive um cover not cover <laughs> but i talked extensively about this case in my newsletter so if you want to know more about it please check out my newsletter i think it's episode 14 but sometime in september parties decided to um resolve their disputes uh, that happened 23rd of september netflix said that they're not suing them again but no, as usual they'll tell you for an undisclosed um times of settlement and, and you're wondering not you i'm also wondering like what did they actually agree to because netflix at some point had offered to um what's the word now they were going to sponsor them but they refused and i understood where they're coming from in terms of ownership when it comes to the song uh and all of those things they do not want to let go of control over ownership of the song but then bridgerton is is broken down into different types of ip the original author which is the person that wrote the book then netflix and then the producer the director which is uh, shonda rhimes they also have their own ip as well but yeah, that that's one of the highlights of me. I was also looking forward to that case because I was going to set a precedent as to how derivative works uh, would be considered, but then parties settled. So out of court settlements uh is more or less called alternative dispute resolution. And the benefit of that is that it saves you time and cost. I just concluded the immigration where we concluded in less than three months. Um, parties are happy. Everyone is happy and they got paid. Uh, but yeah, so you have the mediation, conciliation, arbitration, negotiation. So benefits is that you preserve relationship as well. So instead of, you know, going your separate ways, you want to continue working. Um, it's also very confidential and private procedure. It is party-driven um, because of its private nature. And it is neutral to the law, language, and institutional culture of the parties. So parties have a higher percentage when it comes to what happens how the proceedings will go whereas where you're in court is the judge that has the final say just that it takes what parties should do even though parties will make application and try to persuade the judge so yeah that's my case number two but you guys can check it out and let, let me know if that also was in your own um top ip case um so the newsletter version was like is it possible for cinematograph works to um enjoy some sort of um ip protection um is bridget an original expression eligible for copyright protection and we know that when it comes to intellectual property you need a license you need authorization to do um certain things um can a cinematograph work be adapted into a musical work without the concept like you're trying to convert a tv series into a musical concept you need the concept of all the parties involved in that even though you're going to be creating a new work so it was complicated and one of my highlights for the year but that is certain which is good which is good so yeah let's move on to number three for me 
Highlight number three for me would be um you know the Bangu agreement that covers trademark, industrial design, and trade names entering into force um under the OAP um IPCs and OAP is full for organization African de la propriété intellectuelle. I hope I didn't butcher that part. Uh, OAP consists of francophone, that's French-speaking countries. Um, and they recently just had this agreement. So that's like one of the highlights for me. And it, it came into force 2nd of January, like the year was just starting, just like how we're entering into a new year. And the very next day, you know, this, this agreement came into force. So that's for that. Then number four for me is, I mean, Christmas came early for Christian Liberty. I mean, I just looking at the rhymes and I was like, ah, red for red, Christmas red, CL red. Hmm. CL is like one of, I think it's almost every female's dream brand, especially the, the pumps, the, the red stilettos. <sighs> Hopefully. I'm gonna save up for that one day but yeah um they've been battling amazon for a while now trying to hold amazon accountable for people that sell sold them counterfeited and, and inauthentic seal brands on their on their website and on their platform and uh three days to christmas the courts um held or decided let me know the court decided um that amazon can now be held liable for the offering for sale of counterfeit distributed but also um, distributed by itself but also for counterfeit also distributed and sold um by third parties on this platform so we know that amazon and the likes of um ebay you can sell products on that platform i don't know if that's done on i think it's done on jumia but no one has really put their foot down as to you know enforcing ip rights um like it's being done let me not compare now but let's just stick to the basics um so it turns out that sometime in 2019 christian louboutin had filed a complaint against amazon at the luxembourg district court and at brussels companies court to stop um the litigious use of their trademark signature red so um, in amazon's commercial communication to stop the sale of counterfeits despite the numerous warnings so as an ip owner you have the right to enforce your intellectual property rights you have the exclusive right to enforce your rights um prevent third parties from doing things that are only you can do and counterfeiting is one of the things that i think everyone is battling globally um and this christmas period you find out that a lot of counterfeited goods are sold more than any other season because everyone wants to buy gifts everyone wants to get something cheap and affordable they don't care whether it's authentic and there's no disclaimer like oh what you're, you're not getting an original seal or red buttons you know um so yeah i think christmas came early for you know seal and they were very happy i came across that post on linkedin and then i saw the council that had represented CL posted it as well. Happy, you know how it's done on LinkedIn. I was like, oh my god! So I just had to follow the council. Can't remember his name right now, but I followed council, and I didn't even know I wasn't following CL on LinkedIn. I was like, oh my god, how did that happen? And I know I've done the previous case. Uh, I think it's the Courty Amazon case again, where uh, uh, 
uh, a counterfeited perfume was sold and you know the court was yet to, was to decide what the how who should be held liable for something like that so you guys can you know i think if you work for an e-commerce platform you should put these things in line so you protect yourself and your brand and save money from all this litigation that will be springing left right center and i think you also need to work with um the agencies in charge of um um you know trying to fight counterfeited and pirated goods as well so that's for number four number five is the lean goldsmith against andy Warhol foundation not foundation as in mikopo <laughs> oh gosh um so it's the, the famous case against um about the prince's photograph um still in court and i think a few months ago I listened to the arguments from counsel at the oral hearing and I had shared my highlights on um, LinkedIn. Uh, trying to get the date now. But I just shared what I picked up from both counsel regarding the case. Um, hold on, hold on, guys. Let me get you. So I've also been following this case since I analyzed the Nigerian case of Oluwa Dami Lola Banire against NTA Star TV Network Limited. I highlighted a couple of things last year when, um, you know, so I did a post when they had the World Photography Day, um, talked about data protection related issue, copyrighted issue, you know. Um, also did a newsletter version, did a podcast version, did a Twitter version. But this particular case was really interesting and I've been following it. So um, two months ago, they had the oral arguments and this is. Um, you know, so the case focused on um, visual artists' use of another photographer's photo photos of prints in their work. Now, some of the highlights were what is important on that copyright is supposed to encourage creativity, protecting artists' rights to monetize their work. And the, the artist in this in this instance now would be Lynn um, Goldsmith. Um, stretching the concept of a derivative work was the copy of the original. Um, needed to best achieve Warhol's purpose. Um, lessons that creatives can learn that I had highlighted. Um, no difference between a transformative work and a derivative work when getting creative. Um, photographs are eligible works. And this case focused on Prince's pictures that were taken by Lynn Goldsmith and she had licenses at some point. But then they went ahead to use it after the license had expired, claiming that they were paying homage to Prince, and for commercial purpose and also for to promote um creativity. That's like one of the benefits of IP, copyright um, foundation. Copyright violation is happens when you choose to incorporate a pre-existing copyright. So you need to be very careful as a creative when you're using a copyrighted work. Um, creators like to be paid and acknowledged. Pretty sure photographers will agree with me, especially now that you're seeing a lot of takedown notices and photographers demanding that whoever reposts their image must not remove their watermarks. Um, licensing is a way for creatives to generate revenue. Um, just like we had the Ihanacho uh, and and the Puja Media case. Um, then. <laughs> I think that basically covered it, but you can check out my post on LinkedIn. I shared a document regarding the highlights of the Wahoo Lingo Smith case. Let's see what 
the court decides um in 2023 number six for me would be the moderna suing pfizer for patent infringement about the mrna vaccine technology used in their covid19 vaccine i, I had talked briefly about this case with sami zero lewa who is a patent examiner so you guys can check out that episode i think it's like two yeah it's two episodes before this one you're currently listening to um then under the that's number seven now under the new um edition of the next classification which is the 12th edition um anyone who wants to register virtual goods and that covers the metaverse can do so now in class nine um sadly we're still using the ninth edition in nigeria <laughs> but it's not like it's a bad thing i think we don't want to rush into anything or be cajoled into joining the crowd i and i think the registry um are doing their groundwork in terms of you know engaging stakeholders so they make the right decision as to whether or not to adopt this new 12th edition but it's interesting to see um how nfts and metaverse are just growing and expanding you know there are lots of conversation that we previously had pre-covid so it's a good thing as well um then number eight for me is um this year we had the nigerian ip committee in collaboration with the nigerian copyright commission and wipo that's the world intellectual property organization nigeria and they had a two-day hybrid national ip strategy validation workshop to review the final draft of the national ip policy sometime in september so you see we have this policy there hoping that it's assented to the president gets to sign it before he jumpers and leaves us with mr Beto. <laughs> that's my candidate then you are i'm obedient please we need nigeria to change but yeah uh interesting conversation within those two days um i think i had a comment that i had posted then that there was no much emphasis as to geographical indication uh even though the conversation we, we've had a couple of stakeholders meeting uh, regarding um you know promoting our agricultural and non-agricultural products that we have and so that we don't have people coming to take advantage of this gap so maybe um the feedback will be taken and it will be included but let's see what the final final draft that is assented to would include um but yeah let, let's move on to number nine so i was scrolling through um instagram was it this month I'm trying to think yeah it was this month and i came across a post um by a footwear maker he was like woke up this morning to a lawsuit from the mega giant corporation that i supported my whole life the fact that they're suing a young black man who started out exactly how they did is kind of crazy. Ironic how they tell us to just do it. K-I-Y ready do. What the key at show. 12-3-2022 Miami. And I was like, IP is not sentimental, guys. If you're infringed, you don't pull up the sentiments or racial cards and all that just to deter people from the fact that you actually copied or you stole someone's work i mean so nike had sued nick one Abridger and david weeks of by llc aka cool k and bill omar carasquillo of reloaded merch llc 
um, also known as Omin in a Hellcat, for trademark infringement, false designation of origin, um, unfair competition, and trademark dilution over their Air Jordan 1 and Dunk. Nike was also asking the court to block any further production and advertisement of the infringing sneakers and not product packaging and promotion. And I was like, mm-hmm. Promotional materials are sent that they should send up promotional materials to Nike for destruction. And I was like, okay, this, this is really interesting. I was going to do a Twitter version, but I was like, nah, let me save the best for last. Waiting for Christmas Day to actually put out my, my thoughts about this particular case. So hear me out if, you make, if you're in the footwear industry. Now, footwears are also, they also have elements of intellectual property such as the name Nike, the slogan Just Do It, the design which could enjoy um, design right or design patent protection if it's in the US, because this is a US case, so let's say design patent, um, patent, etc. etc. Now, trademark as an IP protects the distinctive nature of an IP, which has been consistently used for commercial purpose. It also gives the owner the exclusive right to prevent third parties like he. Uh, that's KIY <laughs> from using Nike's um, um, lightning strike insignia and also promoting or copying or selling their design, just like how Nike, um, sorry, Cool Eye, Cool Key, and Omis were accused of. Um, turns out that they've had series of um, warnings from Nike's lawyers. Nike lawyers had reached out to them of their alleged infringement sometime in August 2021. They also tried to settle out of, you know, to settle, but negotiation broke down. Then this year, 5th of October 2022, Nike's lawyer um, reached out to them again, telling them, you guys are infringing on our work again. Make one stop, eh? Told them they had one week. So this is where a season and letter will come into play. But I guess because they had written several... Um, the reload Omi reloaded merch and Kuke Kuke did not take it seriously and they ended up being sued. Now, when one of the grounds for suing is an alleged and uh, seen an alleged is false designation of origin under the United States trademark ad, um, which is called the Laham ad. What this means is that when a third party decides to use a trademark owner's mark, be it a name, logo, sign, symbol, insignia, with the aim to mislead mislead consumers um, or, or the general public or cause confusion amongst them as to its origin, um, it is an infringement. Whereas for trademark dilution, uh, what happens is that the motive for that use is to harm or weaken Nike's um you know, just do it or the, the, the design of their shoes. Um, I already know that Nike is a well-known brand. It's a household name in the footwear industry. So you can imagine someone using your exact design, your exact insignia on their own footwear design. You know, I came across a case this year. It was a black um, lightning kind of shoe. I didn't really dig much into it, but there was like a before and after. Like someone had previously done a design the previous year and another designer took up that design too i think he just faded the color a bit to make it seem different but it wasn't i mean it was really obvious when people put it side by side so that's something that happened here um types of trademark dilution because this is what of 
one of the things that they were sued for. You have the blurring which occurs when the use of a well-known mark such as Nike is used on another brand to reduce the quality. So it's like you're buying a second hand, not a second hand, but a counterfeited, inauthentic version of Nike. I'm sure we've seen um <laughs> let me know if we're going to that. I was going to give an example of um um blurring scenarios we've seen. I have seen in Nigeria where someone put another brand's insignia or logo or name on the product and trying to mislead the public, especially when it's a well known product, uh, or well known brand, you know, trying to reduce the quality or how um unique the the mark is known for in a particular class then you have tarnishment which occurs when someone uses nike's mark in a manner that is considered to be offensive or unflattering or could even harm the reputation of the brand then there were also um alleged of unfair competition let me let me read that out for you guys as well the unfair competition happens when someone deliberately um uses um illegal or deceptive or fraudulent ways to sell your product thereby harming just to harm your consumers and also gain a competitive advantage um also gain competitive advantage now example of this would be trying to take advantage of someone's um achievements um also another instance would be when you do like a like a positive reference where you're comparing one goods to another or you're misappropriating the person's goodwill or you're criticizing the person's products and using unauthorized reference to your competitor which is nike um now how do you protect yourself from unfair competition So, what are the intellectual property rights that exist in the footwear industry? One, you have design right for the protection of visual appearance of the footwear. That's how the footwear looks. It could be a combination of lines or colors that must meet the basic requirement of being new and novel. Um, they have trademark for the distinctive name, logo, symbol, insignia that are constant, consistently used for commercial purposes like Nike have done. Then you have patent for new the new functionality that can lead to a breakthrough in manufacturing of footwear. For instance, Michael Jackson had patented his um, anti-gravity illusion sh um, shoe. Uh, if you watch Trillia and some other of his um, videos, musical videos, where he's like bending down, you're like, oh my God, how did he do that? And then you tried it and then you fell. And you're like, oh, I got to keep trying and trying. But now the cat's out of the bag so i did post the, i posted a picture about that then you have copyright for sketches documentaries photos of the footwear and finally trade secret and trade dress trade secret protects confidential information trade secret basically is kind of like um design right where it protects packaging visual appearance and all those things but it's different really different yeah then we also saw a lot of big brands entering the metaverse so like i was saying a lot of brands big brands are trooping into the metaverse to protect their virtual and digital goods including nfts such as the i mean if we are following the meta beckings case that's like a big a not a big that's a good example to show you why it's, it's okay 
or advisable that brands should be pro proactive in protecting themselves. Then the Nigerian entertainment industry had its fair share of disputes with focus on ownership of musical works, unauthorized sampling. They had unauthorized sampling, unpaid royalties, getting credit to a song, e.g. the Carter F.A., Barry Tigger's Machala song, Asha filing a suit against Joe Boy and Tope. So one thing we need to know about this is that when it comes to uh, musical works, as a recording artist or a songwriter, music producer, it's important that you document your creativity by signing split sheets and any other relevant document. A split sheet is a document basically that clearly states the percentage in terms of royalties to be shared between the collaborators and ensuring that their royalties are paid out fully and in a timely manner. And if you're in the creative industry or entertainment industry, copyright law applies to you as well as other laws. Um, so you can explore the available legal backing and protection as provided by your territory. We're focusing on Nigeria and so Nigerian territory. Another Nigeria, the person that um the first person who creates the work is known as the author um but in an event where you sign an agreement it will state who owns the final work at the end of the day now a co-owner of a copyrighted work is entitled to share joint interest in the whole or part of a copyright however when you waive that right in perpetuity throughout the universe no court can actually save you so be guided review your contract with your lawyers uh, and also as an intellectual property mechanism, a musical work enjoys automatic protection as long as it's in a fixed or tangible medium or format. It also protects the creation of musical composition and sound recording, master recording, and in a split sheet, the royalties are from, from the composition and not the masters. Um, producers are represented as composers, while songwriters are represented as authors. So if you really want to learn more about how copyright affects music, you can check out a couple of my podcasts. You can also do your research. You can also sign up for um, um, the Music Business Af uh, Academy by God by Godwin Tom. Yeah, follow other music lawyers, entertainment lawyers, both internationally and nationally. Follow distribution companies, follow recording companies, follow a lot of you know entertainment related um, brands, so that you are in the know as to what is actually happening within your territory. Then we have the generative active, uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> a generative artificial intelligence. I think I need to drink water. <laughs> a generative artificial intelligence copyrighted work that was revoked um, 20, like five days to Christmas by the United States Patent and Trademark Office after they had been granted copyright in a comic book titled Zara of the Dawn that will use a text-to-image engine mid-journey as... And then they held that only humans are recognized as authors. And that's, that conversation has been ongoing for a while now. We also had the um, Davos AI case as well. Um, we also have... Um, which I also put... I also put that case here as my top... One of my top IP highlights for this year which is the um hold on hold on um <laughs> uh, which is the which is the the case so which is the case of um commissioner of patent australia against taylor 2022 fca fc62 where the federal court of australia held that taylor um appeal 
um, and decided that only natural persons can be an inventor under the patent act um after justice beach had given judgment that ai can be named as an inventor and entitled to own an ip so those conversations are still ongoing as to who can be known and um, listed uh, an author who can be called an author then you also have the case of steven tyler's work titled a recent um entrance to paradise was refused by the review board of the united states copyright office stating that the machine is is not capable of creating a work made for hire and that the registration was not supported by law and is unconstitutional so this is still a growing area uh, i hope african countries are taking note of that and also trying to you know do do their get their data right get the laws right do the proper engagement so that we know whether we are updating our laws to include uh, AI as inventors or IP owners or not. Then I think I'm coming to, I think I have two more cases on my radar. Let me check. So the next highlight um, case for me will be um, the Kanye West and Adidas um, case over the implications of having a moral clause for artists celebrities influencers um you know i think the kanye um i won't call it a rant but he made some anti-semitic tweets and comments that people did not find funny and then it was more or less like when um you know they were calling for jesus as like crucifying crucifying so this cancel culture that we have now where if someone makes a comment that is not fine by a lot of people that they consider to be offensive, then everyone is calling for your head. Reminds me of the Uju case when um, Queen Elizabeth died and they, they reported her to her school and, you know, it just came at her. So that's what basically happened to Kanye. And conversation as to having a moral clause came up. Like, when do you trigger a moral clause? Should it just affect the brand or should the person who is responsible for um, putting the brand in the limelight be held solely responsible, um, etc, etc. And, you know, so I just thought about it. I was, I was also going to do a tweet about it. But I was like, nah, let me save it for uh, my highlight for this year because it's very important that brands begin to take some of these things seriously. So if you engage or you present a talent... It's very important that you consider a morality clause, uh, not just drafting a talent agreement or an endorsement or uh, ambassador agreement or whatever relationship you're going into with the person, but try to include um, a moral clause. That way you can filter who can represent your brand or your company. Um, also, in a co-branding deal like we've seen um, you know, in Kanye West and Adidas relationship, is it co-branding or co-partnership? I can't really tell. But issues as to intellectual property ownership will always arise, especially in the event of a dispute. Um, that question will come up. Who owns the rights to the intellectual property that was created within the course of the relationship? I mean, Kanye has been with them since 2013, and this is 2022. 
So that's about nine years. So imagine how much they have created together. Was it properly together in the event that something happens? Um, if someone defaults, um, does he forfeit the right to own the work he created while working with, with them or collaborating with them or partnering with them? Those are things that we need to consider. I know that morality clause are enforced once there's an agreement which will be binding on parties. It also gives a party the right to terminate the contract where the other party committed an act or engages in illegal activities that could hurt their reputation. Just like um, can US easy break up with Adidas. Um, I think um, a few days ago, I saw a post that um, they didn't know what to do with Yeezy, um, <clears throat> the collection he had left with them. I think people are not really buying into it anymore, but, you know, I guess it's part of what happens. So what can brands do going forward to protect themselves? Make sure that the morality clause is not vague. You um, have to be very specific as to what... Is considered to be an illegal act um what you cannot engage in what happens when you do that what do you lose who's who's who will be held responsible you also need to make sure that there is no unequal bargaining power during the negotiation of the agreement for instance um let's say for for let, let's use a scenario of a breach of confidentiality which is um, trade secret um I own this confidential information. I'm giving it to you. If you divulge or um, tell a third party without pre-informing us, that could also um, hinder our relationship. Or the confidential information I share with me, um, I give you say five percent of whatever it is that comes. Just make sure that the bargaining power um, is somewhat equal. Let it not seem like someone was coerced into doing anything. Um, there should be no infringement of fundamental human rights such as right to privacy or freedom of expression. So if you clearly define all of that in your morality clause, um, it will give you um, a better strategy as to how to handle disputes um, or a breach that arises, arises from the relationship. Now in this area of social media um, and cancel culture, um, it was said that Yeezy, that's Kanye West, lost... Uh, about one to two billion dollars that's a lot of money guys and influencer marketing and advertising guidelines on social media should be incorporated into businesses and brands it's also important that brands or business have a checklist for um, intending parties that they want to work with they also need to be free of scandal need to be fit and proper you know, all of those things need to be taken into consideration. The the kind of behavior they would that would trigger the morality clause, who handles PR, um, in the event of a scandal or controversy, how do you deal with your shareholders, how do you pacify your trustees, but of trustees, how do you pacify your consumers? So all of that should be put into place so that you, it seems like you're prepared. It's not like anyone is going to relationships that if it turns out to be bad, but then you can't really predict the future. So I hope a lot of brands learned from what happened to Kanye and Adidas and position themselves going forward in 2023 that they are able to um, avoid all of these things. Last but not the least, top IP highlight for me this year was the kids um, bordering on the protection of well-known marks in Nigeria. 
um, it's the fan milk international against mandarin oriental services and the registrar of trademark um now what is a well-known mark we already know what trademark is a trademark protects um distinctive marks that act as a source identifier or lets consumers identify or link a product or goods to services to the brand in question so far they are unique and they have consistently used it for commercial purpose um so this case i i mean it didn't really go viral but i feel that a lot of people should take it especially when you have you get like a cease and desist letter from a well-known brand um, that is abroad and coming into nigeria to try to enforce their rights um it's a bit technical when they haven't registered in nigeria in as much as well-known brands are supposed to enjoy protection based on the reputation and good they have but this case um and the cuts with the wisdom it's like the only principle we have for now hoping that things would change but to to you know take us through the steps a well-known mark is considered to be um one that is recognized as something that's popular either according to the courts or the trademark registry and this is it, it gives you like the strongest protection especially like you're being backed by the court and the trademark registry that okay this is a well-known mark um and you get to enjoy all the benefits of being not just a trademark but being well known being famous in that jurisdiction or in certain jurisdiction because you know ip only protects works that are um registered in that territory because of the territorial nature of <laughs> protecting your trademark also give you the you also give you the uh, um benefit of enjoying ip protection which must be well known to a relevant section of the public um according to the trips agreement this can be as uh sorry according to the trips agreement this can be triggered when the use would or can be linked to indicate or connect um to the owner connected connected to the owner it may even cause um damage as a result of that now well-known marks can also be protected against a confusingly similar trademark um, also known as conflicting marks that may uh, it's actually be considered to be an infringement of the trademark owner and when i mentioned trips trips is an acronym for the trade related aspect of intellectual property rights agreement so when i just say trips agreement I just know that's what i'm talking about now um a brief summary about this case turns out that fan milk i'm pretty sure most of you know fan milk they do the dairy product as their ice cream um in the square shape that's the i don't know what size <laughs> shape size to call that but you know you see all these um ice cream bicycle guys riding with it and selling fan milk fan milk so yeah so if you look at the product itself there's like a logo in form of a fan and then fan milk on various so fan milk um a company that produces and sells frozen dairy products owns the fan and device marks in class 29 in class 30 um class 29 again and class 30 so let me just read what class 29 protects so class 29 is for meat fruit milk and oil milk 
meat extract, preserved, dried and cooked fruits and vegetables, jellies, jam, compotes, eggs, milk and milk products, edible oils and fats, um, prepared meals, soups and potato chips. Then class 30 is for coffee, tea, cocoa, sugar, rice, tapioca, shago, I think that's how it's pronounced, artificial coffee, flour, and preparations made from cereals, bread, pastry, confectionery, ices, honey, triacles, yeast, baking powder, salt, mustard, vinegar, sauces, condiments, spices, eyes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, that's just uh, an inner joke, but let me carry on. Um, sandwiches, prepared meals pizza pies and pasta dishes so they already have a trademark registration for this now unfortunately they do not have trademark protection in these classes in nigeria and they went ahead to oppose mandarin's trademark application for its fan device in class 9 which is for insurance financial services real estate agency services building society services banking stockbroking financial services provided via the internet issuing of tokens of values about bonus and loyalty schemes provision of financial information and in class 43 for services providing foods and drink temporary um, accommodation restaurants bar and catering services providing of holiday accommodation booking and reservation services for restaurants and holiday accommodation, retirement homes and schemes, sorry, retirement home services, crutch services, and they were relying on the fact that they already have a trademark in Africa, some part of Africa, not the whole of Africa, because Nigeria is part of Africa and they do not have a trademark in Africa, in Nigeria, which is an African country, Asia, Europe, and, and the Middle East, because as we know, IP is territorial and only protects and grants legal backing and protection where the trademark is registered so you can imagine where the confusion is coming or why the courts told the line that they did now they're saying that um mandarin's application um would cause confusion and infringe on their well-known mark so my questions were bothered on what constitutes intention to register the mark what they stated they had the intention to register in Nigeria, but they hadn't begins, began, begun to do that. Um, so what constitutes intention to register a mark? So when an application is made by um, the person who wishes to apply for a trademark, um, and the person has consistently used the mark in relation to the goods, they must show proof of documentation at the time of filing. So if Fan Milk wanted to actually apply, or say they had intention to register a mark, they must show the trademark registry that they have consistently used fan milk fan device um, for commercial purpose. Proof. How have you used it for commercial purpose? And fan milk is not a small brand, though. They've been in business for years, way before Mandarin Oriental um, Hotel came. Um, when a trademark application is to, is to register a device mark, it represents um, the mark in any form, such as a logo or words, as long as it meets the criteria of being distinctive and can act as a source identifier. So if you put 
the marks side by side can you state oh if i see this, this is for fan milk or if i see this, this is for mandarin i never knew what mandarin oriental um, hotel logo was like until this case so it was really eye-opening for me um well trademark violation because they sued, sued them or um for trademark violation as well trademark infringement so trademark infringement is basically a violation of the exclusive right accorded to a trademark owner to use in relation to the goods or services uh not section five it's up to <laughs> okay i'm quoting session again but just hear me out guys um so section five sub two of the nigerian trademark act lists the act that can um be considered to be an infringement which is one where the mark is likely to deceive or cause confusion two where there's an unauthorized use of the offending trademark and where the all unauthorized use of the offending trademark is identical to the one registered so we already know that um where you don't get consent, permission, authorization from the IP owner or trademark owner as, as it is in this case now, that is considered to be an unauthorized use. Also, um, a trademark infringement and violation of the trademark owner's exclusive rights. So, if you do all of these things, then you can be sued for trademark infringement. So, I had done a poll asking if anyone saw any essential features of the fan milk, fan, and device mark, and if they could say that it was a clear copy of the mandarin hotel um that is if the mandarin hotel was a clear copy of fan milk's design 40 percent said yes 20 said no um 40 percent said can't decide but i didn't really get much put so it's a bit tricky for me um but if you put it side by side i think there are differences um they're both fun so maybe that would count and then the way the 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 word was positioned directly under the fan um i think the only difference would be that for fan 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 you could put um the word fan in the <laughs> in their insignia um whereas the mandarin one was just there so if you can check out the twitter version to look at it better or just do a google search um to find out what it looks like um, fan milk in their argument had stated that under the trade related aspect of intellectual property rights agreement is the trips agreement um their mark was valid and existing in nigeria and also protected under article 6b of the paris convention so so the Paris Convention is a treaty that's an IP treaty that protects or applies to um, patent, trademark, industrial design, utility model, service mark, trade names, geographical indication, and, and also the repression of unfair competition. It also helps creators ensure that their intellectual property rights are created in the member states, countries, or contracting parties, or contracting states. Now, luckily, Nigeria is a of the um contracting party to the Nigeria has been a contracting party to the Paris Convention since September 2nd, 1963. A lot of history there, guys. But then um they were stating that they are a well-known brand in and out of Nigeria. Now the Federal High Court in his wisdom after hearing parties arguments decided that 
but the trademarks both trademark that is the fan milk trademark and the mandarin trademark were not identical or even likely to deceive the public or even cause confusion because one another criteria for trademark infringement is that you must show that the customers are confusing the mandarin trademark logo for the fan milk logo so if you put it side by side and you know all of these things and they further held the court further um in sweden decided that and fan milk has though has been around for a long period of time consumers already were already familiar with what the fan milk um logo looks like which was boldly written under the blades um on the issue of whether fan milk can claim rights over an alleged confusing trademark the court relied on section <laughs> i don't know why i always laugh when i'm citing sections but i can't help it guys please bear with me and the court relied on section 13 sub 1 which talks about the general rule of exclusivity over the use of a registered trademark and the protection granted to the owner of a registered trademark in a court um in line with our acts now um if you are interested in trademark check out the mac Modis, um what's it called now let me get it so it's called the commentaries and analysis on nigerian's trademark act by mac Modi, san it's a very insightful book so each of the section has been dissected and you know he has shared this comment as to giving you a better explanation so when you're reading this section you're able to understand each of it it's helped me a lot in most of my researches um it's one of the book i also rely on and also the trademark trademark understanding trademark law in nigeria by isaac Oba, which was a gift to me from mr franklin yeah lay room thank you so much sirs uh, i got both of these books as a gift but yeah i'm digressing digressing right now let me continue so mark in his book um listed the basis of a as of a trademark opposition um against a prospective um applica applicator now you can check that out. i don't know if you guys would like me to read it for you i would have or you can check um the sections that talk about opposition hold on hold on now in the trademark opposition this is one of the bases for protecting the exclusivity of a trademark registered prior in time by placing them in the public domain through the trademark journal prospective marks that have been accepted so you can check out more information on that in max Mordi's book you can also look at um duties of the opposing party that's best that is fan milk in this instance now they have the right to challenge the registration of um, mandarin within um, the time set out by the trademark act and accompanied by their statutory declaration written arguments and appearing at any hearing set by the registrar to argue their opposition so they had done that already and the the trademark registrar said this mark is not similar to yours and you know you can appeal a trademark opposition um the next after your appeal will be to the federal high court so which is what they did now the federal High court also um decided that if mandarin fan device was identical the trademark registry could have rejected the application which is true um but they never did so fan milk 
we're not entitled to any claim and finally um, in line with section 12 of the constitution of the federal republic of nigeria hold on guys so what uh, it says that which did that section oh hold on apologies that section prevents fan milk from claiming the benefit accorded to benefit accorded to um famous and renowned marks like fan milk who has been in existence for a very long time now section 12 reads as follows for those that will not be able to google it let me just help you uh, <laughs> uh let me just help you guys yeah so section 12 provides that Section 12 reads that no treaty between the Federation and any country shall have the force of law to the extent to which any such treaty has been enacted into law by the National Assembly. So, just because of that section, Fan Milk lost their right to being recognized as a well-known mark. And since Nigeria is yet to domesticate the Paris Convention, which provides right of priority, um, for patent, trademark, design rights, service mark, etc., etc., um, they also cannot do that. Now, during opposition, it's very important that you provide the registrar with credible evidence to show that the mark that that is in this case now Mandarin wants to register um, is not distinct, does not meet the distinctiveness test and is identical and confusingly similar to a prior trademark application which in this case would be your application so those are the basics of um, trademark application so if a trademark agent or a lawyer or you have an interest in um, registering trademark please make sure that you read the trademark acts to be properly gu guided um, for lawyers too who represent clients make sure you properly advise them as well i used to have this perception that well-known marks could be enforced in nigeria but judging by this case now i don't think that is the case because i mean if you look at i know there are cases um like the yeezy case i think it was in china or this one of these asian cities anyways um he was able to get his trademark back from whoever it was that was attempting to take advantage of the reputation and goodwill that his mark already had in the market mm. yeah so those those are the issues um just i don't know but i think i'm done <laughs> I think I'm done though, guys. I think I'm done for this year. I think I'm done for this year's 2022 IP highlight. Let me know what you guys think about these cases. So we've come to the end of our top IP highlights Christmas edition for 2022. Looking forward to what 2023 has to offer. I'm also looking forward to analyzing more cases and doing a bit more um, newsletter writing so if there's a case that i've reviewed so far and you want me to give you the newsletter version please let me know but yeah stay tuned for 
uh, next episode, which will be the last episode for 2022, I have a very interesting guest that will be coming on um, my podcast to talk about a very interesting topic. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, see you in the next episode. Bye, guys. <laughs>